0: This is She Beats It, your weekly reminder that no challenge is greater than God. We share stories of real Christian women beating the odds in life and business. This is the place where women overcome. This is where she beats it, whatever it is. Welcome to the She Beats It podcast. I'm your host, Brittany King, self-proclaimed hope dealer and God-centered girl. Hey, She Beats It family, I want to tell y'all I love you guys so much. Got to give you a quick reminder before we jump in to this interview with my phenomenal guest. Please make sure to leave a review of the podcast and share it with a friend that could use some encouragement. We do these podcasts to give you guys hope, to help you walk through whatever you're going through. Also, a new thing we're doing, please snap a picture of yourself listening to the podcast. Tag us on Instagram at shebeatsit. Also, if you would like to share your story of beating the odds by the grace of God and be highlighted on the podcast, please send an email to win at shebeatsit.com. That is W-I-N at shebeatsit.com. All right, ladies, let's jump in. In this episode, I'm excited to welcome an amazing woman into the She Beats It squad as we discuss the promise of Perseverance from the closet floor to the corporate stage. Dr. Jenna Dyson is literally the friend in your head that will push you to believing more, achieving more, and going after every dream. She travels the globe teaching leaders and entrepreneurs how to think up and create the future that they desire in their mind first. She is truly the intersection between mental health and business. So if you're feeling stuck, overwhelmed, or beat down by life, stick around as she will have you believing that anything is possible in absolutely no time. Dr. Jenna is a huge lover of notepads and journals, anything chocolate, and during her junior year of high school, she played summer basketball in Ireland for a few weeks. Hey, Dr. J, thank you for being in the guest chair today. Hey,
1: thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with your girl squad. What's up, she beats the squad. I'm so glad to be here. So Brittany, let's talk.
0: Let's do it. So y'all, I have to preface this whole conversation by telling y'all how much I adore Dr. J. So y'all can call her Dr. Jenna Dyson. I'm going to call her Dr. J because this is my girl I'm talking to, right? So I was introduced to Dr. J a few years ago, probably... Several years it's ago been now, a long right? Time. Yeah, it's been a while and she has been a coach for me, a constant, you know, supporter of mine. And I just love her, y'all. I think it's so amazing when women come together and we root for one another, right? And that's one thing that I love about Dr. J. She's always been in my corner. She gets me together when I need to be gotten together, and she shows me love, y'all. So, Dr. J, let's talk about how you went from the closet floor to the corporate stage. So I love your story. And I know, you know, some of your story just from our interactions with each other, but I think that it's really a testament of what God can do. I think it's such a beautiful picture of what happens when you transform your mind and when you allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. So I want to start at the closet floor, right? Can you share with me what the closet floor, what does that mean? And what did that look like for you?
1: So it really was a closet floor, and we're not talking a full walk-in closet in the suburbs. We're talking the smallest dorm, the smallest apartment you could ever think of, literally living on the floor. I'd found myself seven years prior to that, really been thrust into adulthood overnight. My mom had passed away, my dad wasn't in my life, and literally my life was changed drastically. And what many of us do when you're 14, when you're a teenager and you don't really understand grief and loss and transition is that you kind of you you kind of subscribe to kind of the world's way of doing things. So I was a good student and I knew how to do school. I did school well. But what I didn't know and what I didn't have the coping skills was really to grieve and to really develop what I call now these healthy mental habits. So at 21 years old, I'm facing literally death. I'm like, I'm literally staring death in my face because I had struggled for seven years prior to that with severe depression. I had seen therapists and psychologists and social workers and, you know, I'd been through the whole gamut of kind of the system, but for some reason, nothing had worked. I had failed every medication. I was just, I was literally like losing my mind. So at 21 years old, I had lost every scholarship. I had a 1.9 GPA and my life was literally spinning and I found myself like praying and asking God to not wake me up. Like I was like, God, I can't do this. Like I like, I can't do this life no more. Like, I feel like I had been dealt a bad hand, but I really didn't deserve it. I'm like, Lord, I went to church every Sunday. I, I was at the praise team. I, I was a straight A student. I was involved in activities. I danced, I played sports. Like I didn't, Like I wasn't a disrespectful teen. Like I've done everything right, but why is my life like this? So I found myself literally praying and asking God not to wake me up. And I remember this day like it was yesterday. I remember where it was, I just gotten the letter that I was placed on academic probation. And it meant that I had one semester to bring my grades up. And I was like, I don't have nowhere to go. Like if I don't do this, I'm going to be back on the streets. This time, like I don't have, I don't have an option. I don't have a plan A. I don't have a plan B. And I remember praying and saying, God, like, I can't do this. And if you don't take me out, then I'm going to take my own self out. Mm. And I heard God so clear. He said, you got to think up. And I had no idea what that meant. Here I was, 21 years old, no family, stuck alone in this huge city, living in a closet. When I say living in my closet, let me break this down. This is 18, 19 hours of my day. I'm in a closet. I'm eating in my closet. I'm sleeping in my closet. I don't go anywhere else. I'm not going to class anymore. I'm not talking to friends. I'm not getting involved in social organizations. Everything that I did was literally in my closet. When I left for the four to five hours a day, it was to go to a part-time job because I knew that I had to work the job to keep the closet. So my life had literally become where I was living in this closet For three and a half months, this is what I did. And I remember telling God, like, if you wake me up, it's okay, but I'm just going to take my own life because I can't do this no more. I can't endure the heartbreak. I can't endure the pain. Like, I'm sick and tired of living this pain. And God told me I had to think up. And that literally catapulted this whole entire life of me trying to discover who I was.
0: Wow. Now. I gotta tell, <laughs> I gotta tell y'all. I've heard Dr. J's story, and every time I hear it, it I get a new perspective and I get a new push to keep going because she speaks with such conviction about where she was. And so Dr. J and I have a lot of things in common. So I, I had that brilliant 1.9 GPA. She she knows this, right? We were <laughs> yes. represented at 1.9 GPA. Depression <laughs> plagued me for many, many years. And one of the things that I love about you, Dr. J, is your commitment to helping people think up, to helping people by the grace of God, get control of their minds and and what they are thinking. And so now I can tell you guys, Dr. J has done so many phenomenal things, so many amazing platforms she's spoken on, so many people's lives that she touched. And so Dr. J, I'm interested to hear what did the next several years look like that catapulted you to where you are today, right? So when I look at you, I know when the world looks at you, we say, oh my gosh, she has so much success. Like Everything looks amazing for her. And sometimes we get caught up as women, as entrepreneurs, just as people thinking, okay, this person has always had it easy, but it takes work, right? So I, I'd like for you to give me an idea of when you decided that there was no Plan A or Plan B, and that you had to make some major mental shifts, and that you had to do things differently. What did that look like?
1: Yeah. So when God said, "Like I had to create the future that I wanted in my mind," I was like, "What does that mean? Like what is like what like what does that mean?" And He said, "Anything that you desire." I want you to think it first. I want you to speak that vision. I want you to think it. You don't even have to go after it. I want you to think it. So the first thing I started doing was thinking about what would a new normal look like? Because when you have lived in chaos and dysfunction and stress and worry and anxiety for so long, that becomes your norm. You get so accustomed to being stressed, to being overwhelmed, to being anxious, that you just assume that that's normal. That's like that's everyday living. So the first thing that I had to do was, number one, I had to start thinking, what would a new normal look like? And for me, that meant pursuing higher education so I could become a doctor. But the crazy thing about it was, how are you going to be a doctor when you got a 1.9 GPA? <laughs> and that's when people was like, girl, you got a 1.9 GPA, how are you going to be a doctor? Like, you're not even smart enough. So the first thing I had to do was really create what I wanted in my mind. The second thing that I had to do, which was a mandate from the school, was that I had to seek counseling. And that was the hardest journey of my life. Because when I stepped into the counselor, number one, I found the only black counselor on the campus because for some reason I thought only a black woman could be able to relate to me and resonate with me right now, which we know is not always the case. But Miss Judy was my saving grace. Mm -hmm. So I found the one black counselor there for eight and a half weeks. I went to counseling every single day and never said a word. I went every single day and never said a word. Because I was so angry. I was so bitter. When I walked into her office, even though she was a sister, she looked like me. She spoke like me. I saw happy pictures on her wall of her family and her kids. And I'm like, well, why is she happy and I'm not? Like, why did God give her that and not me? So I had this bitterness towards her that... I couldn't even explain it. I was just mad. So I went there every single day, not saying a word, just literally pissed off. And she would greet me the same way. She would try to engage me. And then eventually she was like, you know what? I'm not saying nothing. She's like, because what I know, she spoke with such elegance. She said, she lowered her glasses and she said, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. She said, one day you're going to be ready. Today, you're not. So she would continue on literally acting as if I didn't even exist. She would be making her nail appointment, making her hair appointment, (laughs) telling her family what they have for dinner, and I'm sitting there. And she's like, okay, your time's up. And I would leave. And I remember going in and she said, hi, Jenna, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. And she said, aha. She said, now you're ready. Because I had never said nothing. She said, now the student is ready. And she said, tell me what happened to you. That was my breaking point. Because for all these years, people would ask me, well, why are you here? What's wrong with you? How can I help you? What's bothering you today? And I couldn't articulate what was bothering me. I couldn't articulate why my head felt crazy. I couldn't articulate any of things. But when she said, tell me what happened to you, it was something that freed me Mm. to remind me that, I was only responding to life because I didn't have the skills and I was doing the best that I could, but I didn't cause these things. I didn't create these things. These things happened to me and I didn't have the mental stability, the strength, or the stamina to really deal with it. So I was responding this way. And that was my breaking point. So I went the next 10 years of my life literally trying to create a new normal, meaning, who do I want to become? If I am my highest version of myself from the inside out, From what I eat, what I drink, what I wear, how I think, what I speak, the circles I go in, if that manifested on the outside, what would that look like? And I became so irrationally passionate about creating that for myself. But not waiting until I arrived at the space before I felt I could teach other people. But as I'm learning and growing, I'm telling other people, girl, you can do it too. As I'm getting stronger, I'm teaching somebody else how to hone in on their strength. As I'm getting wiser, I'm teaching other people. So I didn't wait till I arrived. I started teaching other people how to get there. Because, Brittany, honestly, I wanted to be the answer that I needed. I wanted to be the person that I needed when I was 14 and 15 and 16. And because I didn't have it, I made a decision to become that person for somebody else. So I started creating a new normal for me, but then teaching other people how to do it on their own life and on their own level and in their own time.
0: Yes, yes. And you know what's crazy about you saying that? So when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I don't know if this is like a culture thing or what, but I know a lot of times people, they keep their struggles to themselves, right? They don't don't share, they don't want to, especially something, I guess, as delicate as cancer. And so I went on Facebook Live and announced that I, so my tagline was, I'm battling cancer. I take that back, I'm beating cancer. And it's exactly what you said, Dr. Mm J. I, wanted to be this vessel of hope for other people so that they could understand. Because I didn't have anyone, nobody in my family had ever been diagnosed with cancer, literally no one. I didn't have anyone who could tell me, you got to get up and keep going, right? Like that, that wasn't like, so there were people rooting for me, but there was no one that I could find who had been in my shoes right? Who had struggled with what I was struggling with these feelings of, am I going to get to see my daughters grow up? What does life look like for me? You know, And so I went on Facebook Live and I did that for the exact reason that you did, because I did not have who I was trying to be for other Mm -hmm. people. I wanted to be this beacon of hope in life. That's why I call myself a hope dealer. That's why this podcast was born so that other women facing the trials of life can see like, Listen, you got it. God's got you and you have this. And I love that you highlighted that. And one of the things that stood out to me when you were talking is that you made a, you said you became irrationally passionate, right? So you got radical about changing your life. You got radical about, you know, making some different things happen. And I think oftentimes as women, we feel like we're stuck. Mm -hmm. You know, in the intro, I said that we feel like there's nothing we could do. So tell me, Tell me exactly what it means to think up. How do yeah. you get yourself, if you are in, and I call this a miry pit, right? If you're yeah. in the miry pit of depression and anxiety, how do you think up, right? What what does that look like on a day-to-day basis?
1: So number one, you have to create literally who it is that you would desire in your mind. Like this is where there's no limitations. This is where it's not about if money was a factor. It's not about if time. It's literally who is the best version of me. And not just thinking it like I want to be successful. We're talking breaking this down. Like a think of Jenna, she's healthy, she's whole, she's at peace with her life. She walks her own beat. She drives this type of car. She has this type of house. She gives millions away. Like it's literally creating, like telling the story that you want to be one day. So getting that visual and that imprint in your mind. The second thing is that once you can visualize, even if you don't believe it, and that was where my therapist played such a critical role. She said, you don't have to believe anything that you're saying to me. She said, It's not your place to believe right now. It's your place to show up. Let me believe for you. Mm. And I feel like that's the space that God works in. Even if you don't believe that you deserve more, that you can be more, that you can overcome this, that you can come out of this, you don't have to believe it. Like, you don't have to believe it when you start. All you have to is create that vision because there's enough people around you that will believe it for you. Mm Because at my weakest and most vulnerable moment, I didn't believe any of these things. All I saw was I have a 1.9 GPA. My mama left me. My daddy's not here. Nobody wants me. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy enough. Telling me, like, how am I going to become a doctor? I don't know. But I had this vision. So even Mm. when I didn't believe it, I still had the vision. The second thing that I had to do, I had to learn how literally to disrupt the negative chatter in my head. Mm. Our biggest enemy is not the people on the outside, it's the person that stares at us in the mirror. I had to learn at every single point, and I call it mind checks, where I had to do a minute mind checks, every time of fear, Every time a disbelief, something that countered what God said, anytime that started to seep in, I had to immediately disrupt it and evict it. When you are served an eviction notice, that means that you got to get out. That means you ain't got time to pack. That means you need to be out. You Mm -hmm. need to vacate the premises immediately. And that's what I started to do with my negative chatter. I started to evict it. And I said, you have to go. You have to get out. And I did this every minute. I did this for five minutes, 15 30, now I do daily mind checks. Now, thank goodness, I'm at the point where any time, and it only takes one time a day, where I can literally evict that thought because I ask myself these questions. So write this down. I said, is what I'm thinking, is it helping me or is it hurting me? I asked the excuses. Excuses, are you helping me? Are you hurting me? Fear, are you helping me? Are you hurting me? If it's hurting me, then I know that that's not from God, so I have to release it. So after you create the vision, the second thing you must do is that you must take control of your mind. You have to disrupt the negative chatter. The third thing that you have to do is that you have to start speaking those things. You speak what you desire. Whatever you think is what you speak, and what you speak is what you become. Mm. So if you are speaking counter to your thoughts, if you're speaking, I'm tired, if you're speaking, this is hard, if you're speaking, I can't do this, if you're speaking, I'm afraid, if you're speaking, I don't have the strength, you are bringing those things in. So I had to learn how to change my language because for so long I spoke how I felt and I had to speak the opposite. So I literally started speaking the opposite how I felt. So I started speaking the opposite of how I felt. And the fourth thing that I did is four steps. I started taking action. I didn't try to change everything in my life. I focused on the one thing. Mm. Mm.
0: So, so I have a few, a few questions yeah, to follow up. Yeah, let's um, talk. So, let's teach them. so when you're visualizing, you know, the highest version of yourself, is what? it imperative that you are writing this down and keeping a journal? Or is it just literally just visualization seeing? How does like writing it down come into play there?
1: So for me, writing it down made it a daily reaction. It made a daily reflection. And I still do this to this day. Okay, Every morning when I wake up, I write down the 10 dreams that I've already made happen. So I don't write the dreams down like I want to be a millionaire. I write them down as today I gave a million dollars away. today. So I write every dream down as if it's already happened. Today I just became a New York Times bestseller. Today, I just made 300 families happy. So I write every single dream down as if it's already happened. And I do this every single day. As, like, just like I brush my teeth, I write these dreams down every single day, the same exact dreams. And then once they happen, I check them off. Mm. But every single day. Some have been on here probably for 10 years now
0: but you're still writing them.
1: But I'm still writing them because one day yes. to happen. and it's not for me to determine the when. It's not for me to determine any of that. The how, as long as you know your what in life and your why, God can manifest anything. So as mm. long as you know what you're supposed to do and why you're supposed to do it, the how, the when, like that's not even, like that's not your space. Like you're getting into something that you don't have the, the capacity to hold. Right. My job every day is to get up and to focus on the what I'm supposed to do and why I'm doing it. And that's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I love, and it makes me think of the verse where you talk about, you know, it seems to me that you have intention behind writing your dreams down and, you know, putting things into place that you would, you desire to happen. And it makes me think of that verse where it encourages us to speak those things that be not as though they were, right? So you you have to believe exactly what it is. And it's funny when you talk about speaking your thoughts, It, I think about this all the time. So recently you checked me on this. I did a Facebook post. So y'all know with my chemo journey, it's just been really difficult. So I posted, I'm so sick of being sick. Doctor J was like, Doctor J was like, don't you dare be claiming that you are healed, yes. you are free, and, and I was like, oh my god, that's so true. And I will tell you, Doctor J, from that point, I have transitioned from. I used to pray, God, would you just heal me. God, would you help me? Now I pray and say, thank you, God, that I am healed, right? So it it took this mental shift because I'm like, this is the manifestation of what I see around me. My head is in the toy that I'm sick. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not healed. And you reminded me of that. And I love that. Another thing it makes me think of is what God says about us, right? So a lot of the times, I feel like the way that Satan attacks us, he will bring things that look like our truth and remind us of it, right? So say, Britney, you have cancer. Britney, depression has you know been your garment for this many yes. years. So he uses the things in our life that are true to attack us, right? To blanket us in shame and to bring us down. But we have to counter that yes. with what God says about us because that is what reigns supreme. Yet it makes me think of... Do you listen to... Um, have you heard of Lauren Daigle, Dr. J?
1: I have heard of her, but I haven't listened to her.
0: Okay, so she has a song for my listeners. She has a song called You Say right? And essentially what the song talks about is what God says about her. And I love the lines, she says, you know, you say I am loved, you know, they're they're certain, she just quotes, she sings all these things that God has already said. And I found myself writing down the lyrics to that song and looking back and saying, God, this is what you say. It don't even matter what Britney says, what Mm -hmm. Satan says is irrelevant. This is what you say. And I love that you highlighted that, So I want to get some insight about since you have become obedient to thinking up, since you have, by the grace of God, gotten into this place where you've been able to bring some things into fruition, give us some highlights of what God has been able to do in in your life. I want to hear a testament of his faithfulness. I know you got some amazing stories. I know big things have been happening for Mm -hmm. you. So tell me, what does life look like for you now? What are some amazing things that are taking place in your business and in your life?
1: So I'll talk about it from a space of like the mindset and the internal space. And then I'll share kind of the external things. Cause for me, it's no longer looking at well, can I get this contract or can I make six figures or can I make this amount of money? Like those things don't move me. It's the internal peace and the contentment that I have. Mm. That is the greatest thing ever. And this is recently a new revelation. When I tell you, I've always cringe when people would say this, when they say, oh, if God doesn't do anything else, he's done enough and I'm happy. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not, that's not me. I need God to do all these other things. But <laughs> I can honestly tell you, I am at total peace in my life. Not because I have the stuff that I want, but because I know for the first time ever in my life, I am living a surrendered life. Mm. That means i wake up every day With no plan, I have goals, I have intentions, but it's not my plan, it's God's plan. I wake up every day and I have total peace because every day I serve people. Like I literally feel like I'm the hands, the feet and the mouthpiece of Christ. So Mm -hmm. my entire life is now reflecting that. Mm -hmm. that means where I move and the circles I go in is because God has opened that door or sent me there that means that my hands the things that I'm attracting to my life is because God has anointed my hands for wealth that means the words that I'm saying that means God has put those words in me I know it sounds so cliche but I am literally at so much peace I no longer hustle I no longer grind I don't subscribe to that team no sleep and I gotta go and pitch and I gotta get myself I'm not doing any of that because you know why? God's the CEO. Mm. He's the CEO of my life. And this was something I made a decision on this year. I'm not hustling. I'm not grinding. I'm not doing that. God's the CEO. And if you look at the corporate structure, that means the CEO is responsible for vision. The CEO is responsible for new growth. The CEO is responsible for profit. The CEO is responsible to making everything move. That's what God does. I'm the manager. Mm. That means whatever the CEO brings into my world, into my life, I manage it. I manage it starting with me first. I manage it starting with my household, my husband and my children. Then I manage it with ministry and business. Before Brittany, I was the CEO. I was trying to do these things. I was trying to pitch myself. I was trying to get into this store, get this media. And I've had so many more opportunities come to me that I can never even imagine. Number one, I work less. I was used to working 50, 60 hours a week. Now I work 20 hours a week Mm. and on a path to exceeding my revenue. We're talking six figures in one quarter. Wow. But I used to work 60 hours and would have six figures a whole year. I work 20 hours a week. I work from 10 to 3. So I work less and I have more results. Number two, I'm taking care of my body. Like That's a huge thing because I don't care how successful you are in business. Your health is your wealth. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make that a priority, nothing else matters. So the biggest reward on this end is that I have been working out over 100 days consistently. I move my body every single day, no matter what. Thirty minutes a day, because I'm saying, God, if you can trust me with this, then I'm going to trust you with everything that I have. So that's a big reward for me because I used to make excuses like, "Well, I'm not working out. I don't have time." No, if I only got 15 minutes, I'm gonna do 15 minutes. But I'm committed to owning that. I am now. It's crazy when I even say this. So seven years ago, I spoke on a stage, and I was so embarrassed. I was so terrified. The same company has been following me. It is the number one educational. Company in the world for pharmaceutical companies. They have, they said, we've been following you. We'd like how you maximize your message. And we want to change our company structure. So we're bringing you in. I'm going in June where I'm teaching their sales force on how to stop selling, but to start telling a story to connect. Mm. And to me, that's huge because this is where I've always been. I've never tried to sell people. I've never tried to to like build a business where it's profit first, even though I believe in profit because I believe that we have been called to monetize our mission and to be the hands and feet. So we need money. But I've always have done the work for impact. So now with this, the largest company in the world, bringing me in to teach their people on how to stop selling and to really start serving is amazing. We're talking about corporate people, where they don't care about serving and gifts and stuff. They're talking about profit and bottom line. But for some reason, the Lord has brought them to me and said, no, we want to change it. Like We want to really position our people to tell stories and to serve more. And I think the other, so I would say another highlight, really Brittany? Okay. Another highlight. And it's so funny because none of this is about like my company revenue. Another <laughs> highlight is that I have been mentoring these amazing kids that these kids that have literally been like thrown out and this is their last resort in this in like these programs and these kids have become my heart and mm-hmm. you've supported one so I think the biggest Like for me, it's it's not the stuff no more. It's what I can give. And I think the shift for me happened when I was so focused and God really humbled me. I was so focused on next level living and next level, on the next level. Okay, I'm setting myself up for the next. And God said, it's your now level action that produces your next level winning. Mm. So it's not what you do next, it's what you do now. And you don't leave a legacy, you live your legacy. So I think when I started living my legacy, and stopped waiting and to wait for things to happen i'm like okay like i'm going to live this and i asked this question and i know it's kind of like it's kind of it may scare some people but i asked myself if i only had 1 year left to live what would that life look like mm-hmm. and how can i live that life now like if i only had 1 year left what would that life look like and how can i live it now so i made a decision i'm going to live my life now because nobody knows how much time i could walk outside and trip yeah like nobody knows, but I'm like, I'm gonna live my life now and I'm gonna live my legacy now. I'm not waiting. I'm gonna live it now. I don't I don't I don't want people to give me their flowers. I want you to tell me now. I wanna yes. make it right now. I wanna <laughs> be right now. Like that's the space that I'm in. It's like I wanna I wanna see the difference that I can make and that I can inspire other people to make right now.
0: Yes, girl, put a praise right there, Woo! girl. Yes, I oh, love that. That
1: shift, your life changes when you stop looking and thinking we have more time and that, oh, well, I can wait for five years. I can wait until my kids. No, you don't have more time. You have now. Yep. You have right now. It's now level action that produces next level winning. It's what do you do now? Don't do the next thing, do the now thing.
0: Yes, we have to redeem the time. We just have to. And it's, it's funny. I feel like so many people, they look at me or someone who has, you know, a serious illness and they're like, ah, you know, that's scary. And I tell people all the time, we're all dying. We are. The question is, are you living? That's the question because we're all dying. No man knows the day or the hour. Right. And so we, it's absolutely what you said. We have to redeem the time. Jenna, this is why I love you. Okay. This is why y'all, do y'all hear why I am such a big fan of hers? All right. So now we are going to transition to the next segment of the podcast. This is going to be the five and five segment, Dr. J. So this is going to be the time where I ask you five questions in five minutes or less. Okay. So the total time we have is five minutes. I feel like that's a little confusing sometimes, but I want you to answer what the first thing that pops into your mind. So essentially you have about a minute for each question. We just gonna go off the dome, whatever comes to your head, okay? Okay. So what is your favorite word that comes to mind when you think about God?
1: Amazing.
2: Mm Mm-hmm,
0: yes. All right, so if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what
1: would you say? Girl, you got this. I would literally tell them you got this.
0: See this is why I love her y'all. Y'all know how I end all my solo podcasts telling y'all you got it. You God's got it. you and you got this. Yes. Because
1: We all know what that this is. Yes. Like everybody has a this. And when I say girl you got this, you know what that this is that you got to that you got to conquer today. We all have a this.
0: Yes. All right, next question. What is one book or resource you have found most helpful during your journey?
1: The one book would probably be the four hour work week.
0: Yes, that's such a good
1: one. It is because it reminds you that to create the life that you want doesn't require you doing all the work. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love that book. And I think, you know, so many people balk at that book and they're like, ah, that's, you know, that's madness. But I think the message in the book is, is really a message about having a mental shift, right? Transforming your mind and and really seeing what's possible. So it's by, who is it by Tim Ferriss? Tim Ferriss, yes. Yeah. So it's by Tim Ferriss. I'll put that link in the show notes, you yeah. guys. So make sure you all check it out. Next question, Dr. J. You're a new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be and Why?
1: I would be red because okay. red turns heads. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you why I want to turn the heads because when you see me, you're gonna know who sent me. Yes. Yes, That's it. I'm only seen so that he can be heard.
0: Yes. All That's right. It. Okay. Last question. On your darkest days, how did you find the light?
1: From remembering who I was in Christ. Like not what I thought. But remembering everything that God said that I was, and holding on to that more than anything else. Mm.
2: Okay,
0: that's good. All right. So listeners, I got to tell you, Dr. Jenna has something amazing for you guys. She has so graciously agreed to offer you guys a complimentary guide on how you can maximize your message. I will tell you, Dr. J is so gifted in this area. So Dr. Jenna, tell us, how can our listeners take advantage of this? Where do they need to go?
1: Yes. So how to maximize your message is really a cheat sheet because I believe that everybody has a story. And now it's time for you to share your story so that you can maximize it and then you can monetize the thing that God has given you. So you can go to www.jenna. That's J I N N E H Dyson like the vacuum.com. So it's jenna Dyson.com. Go there, click the link and download your cheat sheet that will walk you through how to maximize your message so that you can monetize your mission.
0: Awesome. So y'all, I will also put a link to Dr. Jay's website, but I want you to tell us how else can our listeners follow you online? How can they get in touch with you? Share with us your social media handles yes. and the best way for people to reach out.
1: You can find me anywhere on social media at Dr. Jenna Dyson. That's it. It's real simple. Just search there. There's not that many Dr. Jenna Dysons, So you can find <laughs> me or you could just hashtag think up and you'll see think up everywhere because we are literally taking over the world.
0: Awesome Hashtag think up, you guys. Make sure that you support this amazing woman. You check her out. Listen, if you are looking for an amazing speaker, someone to come out to your business, I am encouraging you to get in contact with Dr. Jenna. She will transform your organization. Jenna, this has been such a blessing. Thank you. Yeah, thank, you thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. So we are just about out of time, ladies. Make sure to leave a review of the podcast and check us out at shebeatsit.com for additional information information and resources. And remember, you got this girl, God's got you and you got this. So that's it for the She Beats It podcast. I'm Brittany King. Until next time, ladies, trust God to help you beat the odds.